When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, we review the exciting start to the Football World Cup and the Football Ferns' drawn series with Brazil. We look ahead to the third test between the All Blacks and England and catch up with the New Zealand table tennis veteran, Lee Chun Lee. The FIFA World Cup has lived up to the hype in its opening week, with goals and upsets aplenty. While England have struggled and are on the brink of early elimination, the biggest shock has been the exit of the defending champions Spain. An opening 5-1 thrashing at the hands of the 2010 finalists, the Netherlands, was followed by a 2-0 loss to Chile, ending Spain's hopes of a fourth straight major tournament win. Steve Wilde looked at what went wrong. Goes for goal. Punch clear. The moment it all ended for Spain, with the reigning world and European champions following Australia to an early exit, marking the only time the defending champs have lost both their opening matches. The Spanish coach, Vicente Del Bosque, admits his team wasn't up to it, just four years on from when the perennial underachievers won the World Cup for the first time. We've played two matches and we were not capable of being superior to the Netherlands and Chile, and as a consequence of that, we will no longer continue in the World Cup. And uh, we obviously feel bad, but I also believe that today, in terms of today's match, for example, we were slightly shy for the first half. For the Spanish supporters at the stadium in Rio, the heartache was evident. Very bad. We feel sad. We came from so far away. We put some, you know, effort, and they play like girls. It feels horrible. What can I say? It feels horrible. I mean, I came here with my father, my brother. I actually invited another friend. We were, you know, rooting for Spain, but, you know, it happens. You know, football happens. The BBC's Matthew Kenyon says many felt Spain's time at the top was up. I think they felt that their era was coming to an end. They've had six years of total domination. Uh, One World Cup four years ago, sandwiched by two uh, European championships as well. It's been an amazing run for them. And uh, the Spanish fans I spoke to, uh, at least, were shrugging their shoulders and saying, OK, we've had a great run, now it's time to rebuild and start afresh. Many New Zealanders, too, are disappointed. The TAB's Paul Eiffel says quite a few local punters had backed Spain to win. A lot of people would have been on Spain. Um, they'd gone out to $12 after their first game, obviously losing heavily to, to the Dutch. But I think a lot of people thought they'd turn it around. And as far as the European teams are concerned, I think it was um, only Germany who would have been shorter. So it's a massive surprise. Um, and a lot of people probably would have got stung on that one. 
While the football world's focus is fixed firmly on Brazil, the host country's women's team visited New Zealand this week for a two-match series against the Football Ferns. Playing in their first home internationals for two years, New Zealand earned two draws, one all in Auckland before a goalless match in Topo. Richard Wayne spoke to the coach Tony Reddings, who says it's been a good week for the side. It's definitely been a worthwhile week for us. We always want to be playing against the best teams in the world and stood at home, which was a bonus, but two games in the short space of time against a team like Brazil is going to be really beneficial for us you know, as we work towards the World Cup and Olympics. The World Cup being less than a year out now, this is really beneficial and lots of aspects of the performance were very pleasing and we've shown we've taken another step forward. Uh, but there's still that little tinge of disappointment in the team as well because we felt we could have and probably should have won both games. I guess, like as you say, that it's it's great to be able to play a top-quality team what, three or four days apart, uh, just like you get at the World Cup. Yeah, it's really important for that because you 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 play the first game and then you've got to work as hard as you can to recover and also learn. And it doesn't give you much time to to you know, put, put those learnings into place. And so make sure you make sure your your systems and everything get them a little bit more efficient. And players as well recovering and then playing maybe with a bit of fatigue in the next game and still being able to perform. So yeah, it's, it's really good for us to be able to do that. And the more we can do that, the better. Two draws against Brazil, and of course you beat them last year. I think most football teams on the planet would take that against any Brazil side. Yeah, I think I think they would. And I mean, we we, so we beat them last year, and that was a very pleasing performance. But we played better in these two games than we did in that game last year. We just didn't weren't able to take the chances that we created. So yeah, we're not overly disappointed with the results, but um, but if we 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 do feel we should leave one at least one of them, if not both of them. So. Yeah, the performance, happy with, but the results, um, yeah, we definitely think we could have got more out of the game. It's good, though, isn't it, when you come off the paddock, say, and you're disappointed that you only drew. I mean, that's that's good. That shows the, the enthusiasm and, and the keenness from the players to, to get the results. Yeah, it does, and I think we've, we've moved on another level now where, you know, we're, we're, we're tired of talking about, you know, the good performance and how, how we are disappointed we're drawing against teams like the Brazils and Japan to this world, and... I think we've moved beyond that stage now, and the stage we're at is where we are actually generally disappointed we didn't win, and we know that we've got a year to put that right because we will need to beat the Brazils and Japan's and Americas of this world if we want to win the World Cup and win the Olympics, and I mean, that's what we're striving for, which happens to be every team we play. So there's different learnings we can take from these games so that we, yeah, we're not having the same conversations in a year's time. And I believe this is the first time you've played at home in like two years, perhaps 27 internationals, if, I, if I'm correct here. It's great to be playing at home, but for goodness sake, this is like game number nine and number 10 this year, weren't they? You're getting a lot of game time, and I mean, the All Whites would, would kill for a program like the Football Ferns have. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very lucky, and I mean, it's all down to the support we get from High Performance Sport New Zealand. So following the, the Olympics, when we got the top eight finished, they've been their back to us before that and they've shown even more investment and faith in us with, with the with the investment they've given us and we rewarded them last year with some great results and we're starting to reward them again this year now and yeah, we played a lot of games and each game we've added a little bit more to to our performance and the, the important thing is even from this point now through to the World Cup is we need to keep playing the same amount of matches because the teams that go on to these last stages of the tournaments they're the teams that do play more regularly so we've just got to keep playing. There can't be any gaps where we're not playing because all our, most of our players are based overseas and we don't get to spend much time with them as it is. So the more time, we, the more games we have, the more time we spend together and the more development we can make for the team. 
And it sounds like you want more goals. You want your strikers and and you know the rest of the team to to be banging those goals in the back of the net. Is that basically the the next level you need to go to, Tony? Yeah, definitely. Because I think what we've shown across this series, yeah, and particularly, is how how well we defend as a team. We've got some world class players in our back line. Our goalkeeper is really coming of age now, and we've shown that we can. I mean, we've we've let in one goal in two games, and that was from a set play. So Brazil, who most people would say one of the best attacking sides in the world, haven't been able to score from free play. So that's one aspect that's really good. And the next aspect that's been really positive is the number of chances we have created. And that's difficult as well because Brazil, a big, strong, physical side, man markings, which makes it really hard for you to build possession. And it is just that final piece of the puzzle, but we're creating more chances and we're definitely looking more threatening. So I think after this series, we can say we actually, actually even, even though we've only scored one goal, we've hit the crossbar three times and we're getting closer and it's just those little steps we need to take and that's why it's important that we play a lot of games so those little steps add up over time so when we do hit the World Cup and Olympics that we actually have taken big strides in those areas. And finally you're you're looking at playing some more games maybe in September before the World Cup qualifiers in Papua New Guinea in October. Is anything lined up, anything concrete, anything sort of solidifying in terms of some more games before that? No, we're pushing for that window. There's, There's quite limited opportunities in September because there's a lot of World Cup qualifying competitions taking place in that window. So there's, the number of teams available is quite limited. So we're, we're talking about a number of teams and trying to make something work. And ideally, we are playing somebody because then we can have a nice, strong finish to the year and start 2015 in, in a strong place and a you know, real strong foundation to build from. That's Tony Redding speaking to Richard Wayne. And sticking with football, the Wellington Phoenix have begun their pre-season training for the upcoming A-League season. After starting last year's pre-season with only seven fit players, the Phoenix are in a much better position this year, with 22 players already training as they get ready for their exhibition series against the Premier League clubs Newcastle and West Ham. Richard Wayne spoke to the assistant coach Chris Greenacres and head coach Ernie Merrick after a training session in Auckland. It's been going good. As you saw this morning, the intensity was quite good. You know, we, we've got our strategy now and how we're going to play and how we want to play. And it's just constantly reminding the players of their jobs and, and, and in each individual situation. And, um, you know, day by day we're learning and we, we're, we're getting more to grips with, with how Ernie wants to play and, and how we're going to play in the rest of the season. Pretty long pre-season it looks like. Yeah, but, um, you know, for us it's great because we've got a lot of planning. For the first time, you know, we had, I think, 22 players on the first day of pre-season where in the past we've only had, like, six or seven, you know, for whatever for whatever reason but um, you know it's good that we've now got a squad of players that we can work on um, you know we're starting to get a little bit of depth um, we've got a lot of quality young players here who are learning the game and you know hopefully we'll have one or two more additions before the season starts and um, yeah hopefully we'll be uh, a good proposition this year. Oh Ernie, uh, pre-season shaping up pretty well for the Phoenix do you reckon? It is, it is. Um, uh, a year ago today I had about nine players and two of them were injured and we had to sign 12 and here we are with a full squad of players, uh, no interruptions, um, everyone fit apart from Vince Lee who's got uh, just a slight twinge from a game on Wednesday night and the boys are just so far ahead of last year. It's uh, sort of the first time, obviously for you and probably for the Phoenix, that they actually have a, a full pre-season, a really big one in fact. When, when does the season actually kick off again? It's the first week in October which yeah. gives us 18 weeks of yeah. working together and fitness is only a small part of that. It's really about playing as a team strategically and understanding runs and support and cover and, uh, and if we get our midfield right this year, 
which we had right in the middle of last season until we lost Albert Riera and then, and then uh, we had to improvise with money, etc. We get that right, then we'll have a strong team this year. But to have the quality of games planned in pre-season, regional clubs, four A-League clubs, and now two English Premier League clubs, I mean, that's a dream come true for, for me, myself and the players. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a bit of preparation by the look of it than what, than what you've got. Just talk about your midfield. Uh, it looks especially strong this year, doesn't it, with this new young lad, Alex Gorin, coming in. Rear is going to be fit, and you might get McGlinchey yet, plus the, the other guys you've already had. Well, after the FFA's releasing things on McGlinchey, I've got no comment to make on that. I'll leave the rest of them. <laughs> um, yes, Alex Gorin is slotted in really well. Uh, young boy, Matthew Redenton, uh, and That's top right. of Albert Riera. Of course, yeah. Yes, uh, 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 Alex Roofer's going to look good. Uh, as I say, Vince, if we get another attacking midfielder, maybe even two. I, I'm a great believer in the midfield controls the game, the outcome. You Certainly you need strikers to finish off, you need defenders to, to prevent goals against, but your midfield control uh, movement and creativity going forward and setting up goal-scoring opportunities, and they also are the first line of defence before your back line, and they're crucial to get right, and this is an area we've spent a lot of time on, and we'll hopefully recruit them. Judging by last season, where uh, you know you got you instituted a new style of football, a position, and you know passing and so forth, uh, the, the midfield is incredibly important for for your style of football, isn't it? It's very, very important. Uh, if a team can't retain possession once they win the ball, then you, you in the long term you might have a good result here and there, but in the long term, unless you are comfortable in midfield holding, retaining the ball, and dictating play, you're not going to have a successful team that'll be in the finals. And our passing, I'm I'm not happy with now, but we're way ahead of where we were last year. Talk about um, playing the likes of West Ham and Newcastle and Sydney, of course. I mean, uh, it's, it's a bit of a first for a New Zealand football, isn't it, to have a pre-season tour like this? Uh, or at least it hasn't happened for a very, very long time. I, there, there has never been in Australia or New Zealand a situation where two English Premier League clubs have come out to play in a tournament. So it's a first for Australia and New Zealand, and that's one up on the Aussies, which I know the New Zealanders love to do. Um, but to have two teams of the quality of Newcastle, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world, and regularly is 45. 50,000 spectators win, lose or draw every week and a club from eastern London West Ham with a great tradition of developing some of the best players in the world Joey Cole, Carrick, I mean they've just got great players to have them coming out especially with a guy like Sam Allardyce as well who's a manager that's bigger he's just a huge personality I think it, it, it means a lot for the sport in this country but it means a lot for for our club, our fans our players and football lovers in this country. And it sounds like the ticket sales are going right, I don't know if you keep track of that they're going crazy, ticket sales. Get in early. I urge all fans to buy tickets. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. Um, and we're playing West Ham up here on the 23rd, and I just can't wait. And Andy Carroll's in big trouble because I've primed up Ben Sigmund. He's going to sort him out from there. But Carroll, is, uh, I was lucky enough. I spent the three days over at West Ham. Sam Allardyce allowed me in the pre-season, uh, the pre-match talk the day before the game, the video analysis stuff, uh, the match stuff, uh, and then the on-field strategy preparation. And to see players of that quality working, it was just it was a pleasure for me. And, and also, it reminds me that we're doing the right things at our club to try and be as professional as we can. That's the Phoenix coach, Ernie Merrick. The All Blacks will try and equal the world record for consecutive test wins by a top-tier nation in the third test against England in Hamilton on Saturday night. England have made a number of changes for the match, most notably moving Manu Tuolangi back to centre after a failed experiment on the wing in the second test. 
but the All Blacks have inserted their own powerhouse into the midfield, with an injury to Conrad Smith opening the way for Malikai Fikitoa to make his first start at centre. The standout from the second test in Dunedin, Ben Smith, spoke to reporters in Hamilton about the challenge facing the world champions. It's easier to refocus. We need to get a, a good performance this weekend, but we've just got to worry about our preparation. So uh, for me, uh, doing my preparation through the week um, gives me a good chance to go out and perform once I Comrade missing, does that mean you've got to do more talk in defence? Uh, I think Mullah will pop in there and do a great job. Um, and you know he's not afraid to, to talk up when it's needed, so um, I'm sure he'll do a great job in there. What, what's impressed you about him? You've seen him develop during the season. What's, what's he brought that maybe um, surprised you? Yeah, I was just saying to the TV crew over there, I've had a, a front row seat at um, seeing him progress, and I think just his attitude, he, right from the get-go with the Hollanders, he was, um, we called him Hundy, because everything he did was sort of 100%, um, even when things weren't required to be 100%, he'd just give it his all, so, um, yeah, I, I think he just goes out there and, and just puts everything out on the field, he enjoys what he does, um, which you can see from watching, and yeah, and that, I think he's just progressed his game throughout the year and, um, yeah, just enjoys what, he, what he's doing there. Yeah. He's a different style of centre to Conrad. Does that mean that you're going to have to adjust the way you try and play off the 12 and 13? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm used to playing with um, Malakai at the Hollanders, obviously, so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe they are different, but in, in a lot of ways they are quite similar. Um, they both run really good running lines and... Um, yeah, obviously we've got our structures, so uh, from those you can um, sort of read where you've got to pop up. Ben Aaron was saying in the normal course of events when an All Black has a game like you had last Saturday, they they work all week to bring him down a bit ego-wise. <laughs> they haven't had to do that with you because you've got a pretty level head about these things. Just, just talk us, to us about that mindset that you have about, I guess, following a performance like that. How you kind of you know just don't let it affect you, and how and, and what your sort of whole mindset is for this week. Yeah, I think um, sometimes you guys might have given me a bit, but but too much credit. There's a couple of things in my game that I need to improve. Um, there's a few times um, where I could have just um, drawn a pass a bit better. Um, there's a there's a kick I shanked and, and a ball that I sort of. Um, Drop that you know the line was sort of open, so there's a, there's a few things that I need to improve, um, and it's just working on those years this week and and just trying to trying to get better really. How, how much of the sorry just one more how much of the how much of the English challenge you guys you know and how good is it as a team to be challenged like that? Yeah, it's it's um, you know good to have a, a, a challenge in the weekend and that, that's what we're up against this week is a, a good English team and they've shown in the last couple of games um, by you know there's only been a couple of points in it um, just how, how how good they are at international level and um, yeah I think every rugby team wants to be challenged and um, it's another chance this week to go out and um, you know enjoy what we do. You um, you've just rattled off this list of things that you feel like you did wrong in a game. Do you take any satisfaction from playing the way you're playing at the minute? Like you're actually enjoying it? <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> you just, yeah. You know, because you played well. Do you, do you recognise that? I suppose. Right? Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy my rugby, and uh, as I said last week, uh, it was you know a good chance for me to get out and play in front of family and friends um, you know at, at home and I really enjoyed that I enjoy wearing the black jersey um, but I think 
when when you put on that black jersey, it's about um, always trying to improve and, and trying to get better. So um, for me, sometimes you got to yeah, you look at the what you've done, you know, right, and then what you've done wrong, and and go and try and fix those things and keep working on the things that are working well for you. So <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy my rugby. Um, but you recognise that you've played well as well. And it's not just about looking at the mistakes. Yeah, when you're doing your analysis, you look at everything. So, um, yeah, there'll there be things that um, I was happy with, but then then again, there's things that I wasn't. So, yeah. How's Corey Jane this week? He seemed a bit down on confidence on Saturday. Has that affected him off the field at all? No, no, he's all, he's all good. Um, I think he's looking forward to this weekend. Um, it's a, you know, a, a big challenge to um, you know face the English three times in a row. So... Um, we're looking forward to, to getting out there Saturday and I think um, CJ just wants to go out there and, and just play with confidence and as a back three um, we're, we're excited by this weekend. Ben you had a few uncertain starts when you started test rugby, a few uncertain steps when you started test rugby and it wasn't easy for you to, to I guess find your niche and, and you're a completely different person than you are now I guess as Malachi starts out do you, do you give him any little advice I mean what's the best way for him to make the most of being this new guy and trying to Covers Mark and a team that's hard to break into. Yeah, I think Muller's doing really well. He's um, he's asking when he when he needs a bit of help. He's asking Conrad. So he's getting the best out of the people in the environment, getting the best out of the coaches. Um, so that's probably one of the, the main things is just learning. Um, and I think he's doing that really well. He's he's um, really challenging people. So um, that's one thing. And then I think it's just going out there and enjoying it. And for him, backing his skills. So um, you know he's got an awesome skill set and. Uh, he's got something really special, so if he brings that on Saturday, I'm sure it'll go really well. Do you feel like he's, he feels like he belongs within the group? Because sometimes players come in and they're a bit like, oh my God, I'm in the All Blacks, there's all these you know, great players around me. Has he, been, yeah. has he made the transition pretty well? Yeah, I think he has. He, he's come in here and he's just been really keen to learn, so... Um, yeah, he's just been really focused and it's it's good to see um, that he's got an opportunity this week. Um, unfortunately for Snakey, he's broken his hand, but yeah, it opens an opportunity for, for Malakai, which I'm, I'm sure he'll take. And finally, the four-time Olympian Lee Chan Lee has completed her return to competitive table tennis and will lead a five-strong New Zealand team at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. Lee retired from competition after the Athens Olympics in 2004, but coached teams at the Melbourne and Delhi Commonwealth Games before returning to competitive play in 2012. The 52-year-old will compete in both the singles and doubles events alongside sister and two-time Olympian Karen Lee, who's been selected for her fourth Commonwealth Games. I spoke to her about her selection in the team. Uh, I really wonder to uh, compete uh and the showing uh, the Commonwealth and the world, uh, our New Zealand table tennis, uh, our best. And uh, uh, I believe for table tennis is very popular, very good support, and uh, we are love for New Zealand. We are able to doing well. So I want the challenge for our team, and uh, that's the first reason. Second reason is uh, I also want the challenge. After I stopped many years, uh, table tennis, the technique is going uh, very fast and uh, very good. So I would like a re-challenge, and I believe I'm able to do it well. Yeah, do you still feel, um, being being a bit older, that you've still got what it takes to um, compete with the top players? 
yeah, and that uh, you know, I I'm we start two years ago, beginning. You know, uh, I have some problem is uh, because I'm injured, but you know, I'm very happy to uh, tell you, you know, this year I went to the Oceania Championship. Also, I've been played the World Championship. The World Championship, I I have done very well. I near win my game. You know, near hundred percent, I won. So I can say now, uh, my condition, my technique, and also my energy, uh, everything now recover very well. So um, I'm very uh, exciting and uh, wonder, you know, go forward, uh, see how far I'm going and. Uh, really hope to win a medal for New Zealand again. Yeah, what was it that uh, you missed about table tennis when you, when you were retired? Uh, yes, I, but actually, you know, when I stopped playing the international tournament, I, I never leave table tennis because as a coach, in my mind, I always, uh, you know, uh, thinking about table tennis, uh, but just a uh, Myself or not computer, but uh, uh, I never leave the table tennis. But it's very good to be back uh, to compete again, you know. I feel more closer to the table tennis. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with more extra time next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.